Hello, and welcome to X-Men Unraveled. I'm Noelle, and in this podcast, I cover the stories of the X-Men and their foes in chronological order. Last episode, I finished up a series on Namor the Submariner, which was a lot of fun. If you haven't heard it, he's an interesting character, so check it out. But today, I am catching back up with Wolverine. Last time we left Logan, he had just survived the bombing of Hiroshima, and yet another of his girlfriends got murdered. I think we're at six or so. I lost track at some point. But today, I'm covering his stories from the end of World War II in 1945 on through most of the 1950s. A couple of these stories have important implications down the road for Logan, so this is a key era of his long life. So let's get started. After World War II, Logan made his way to a village in Japan called Jasmine Falls. And this story comes from Wolverine number 40 from 2006. Logan went to Jasmine Falls to find a man named Bandu Saboro. He learned of Saboro from his old teacher, Ogun, who told Logan to seek the man out when he was ready to live a different life. Logan arrives in Jasmine Falls and introduces himself to Saboro, saying that he is looking for redemption. Saboro says that all of the men in the village used to be ninja, but he has taught them a better way to live. Hearing Logan's desire for redemption, Saboro invites him to live in the village and train with him. Logan, who is used to life in the war and just rough living in general, takes his pack and finds a spot under a tree to set up and go to sleep. But when Saboro sees him, he's mad and tells Logan that he's not a dog and will not sleep on the ground in his village. He tells Logan that he can make his home in Jasmine Falls, but he has to build his house on his own. So Logan gets to work building. Logan comments in the story that his whole life had been in the service of destruction, and this was the first time he was learning how to create. His teacher, Ogun, who told him about Saboro, was not a good guy, um, but he was right that Saboro's teachings were exactly what Logan needed. Logan stayed in Jasmine Falls for five years, training with Saboro to manage his rages and to live without violence. He also met a woman named Itsu, who he fell in love with and ended up marrying. The two of them lived together in the house that he built and had a peaceful, happy life. But at some point during those years, it's not exactly specified when, Logan did leave Jasmine Falls for a brief stint on a mission tied to his old life. In Path of the Warlord number one, we learn that Logan received a visit from an old associate named Chang. Chang arrived unexpectedly in Jasmine Falls to recruit Logan for a mission. And Chang is an agent for a shadowy group called Landau, Luckman, and Lake. And while that sounds like the name of a small-town law firm, they're actually a powerful group who run espionage and have various interests in fringe science like precognition and teleportation. In the past, Logan also worked for Landau, Luckman, and Lake and went on a mission to bring a scientist to them. As with many of Logan's stories, this is told via flashback in this specific issue. Writers get to add to Logan's story a lot over the years since he has such a long life, so this is one of those instances. The scientist Logan brought to the Landau group was Dr. Carling, and he had created a machine that produced gateways to other dimensions. 
Carling had gone through one of the gateways and ended up living in another dimension for years. And while he was there, he fell in love and married a woman, and they had a daughter named Rose. Carling continued his work on interdimensional travel while living in the other dimension, but eventually Carling caught the attention of a powerful man named Kimura. Kimura is a warlord in control of most, if not all, of the world in the dimension Carling traveled to. And Kimura learned of Carling's machine and wanted to use it to conquer other dimensions. So Kimura went after Carling to get the machine. He attacked him and his family at home. Uh, Kimura killed Carling's wife in the attack, but Carling was able to escape back to his own dimension along with his daughter Rose. Unfortunately, Kimura was able to follow him through the gateway to Earth before it closed. Carling and Rose went on the run, trying to escape Kimura. Eventually, they were desperate and unable to get away, and found the Landau, Luckman, and Lake group for help. This is when Logan was working for them, and he was sent to help Carling. Logan also apparently had some sort of past with Kimura, and battled him, and Kimura beat him. Uh, the issue doesn't say when exactly that is supposed to happen, but just adds it to his backstory. We're already adding all this, what's a little bit more? So, Logan ended up facing Kimura alongside Carling, and this time they managed to kill the warlord. But at the time, Logan didn't know about Carling's machine or Kimura's origin in another dimension. And then, somehow, all these years later, while Logan is in Jasmine Falls, Kimura returns from the dead and wants to finally complete his plan of conquering Earth. Apparently, in all that time, he has been able to use a small residual gateway and travel back and forth between his own dimension and Earth, but it's really small, only he can travel through it, and he's trying to acquire the rest of Carling's technology to launch a full-scale invasion. Landau, Luckman, and Lake, at the same time, have been guarding Carling's gateways that he opened in the past, and they want to find a way to end the threat of Kimura's invasion. And this is what prompts Chang to go to Jasmine Falls and get Logan's help to stop Kimura. Logan does agree to help Chang, so they go to the gateway that the Landau group controls and guards and travel to Kimura's dimension called Kageumbra. They arrive in what looks like a jungle, and Logan has trouble adjusting to the strange dimension. The smells and sounds are so different that he struggles with sensory overload upon arrival. So Chang tells Logan to take a minute, get his bearings, while he goes to find the contact who is from that dimension and aiding their mission against Kimura. But Logan and Chang didn't arrive in Kageumbra unnoticed. Kimura has an oracle working for him who can monitor all the goings-on across the planet, so he sees Logan and Chang's arrival. The oracle has lots of different powers which are not fully explained, as does Kimura and his other agents, and we're just left to wonder where their many powers come from. Are they mutants, or do they have mystical origins, is it technology? Take your pick, because it's not spelled out. At least not here, and maybe I just didn't dig hard enough to find it. Anyway, the Oracle tells Kimura that two men have arrived in Kageumbra to kill him. But Kimura isn't worried. He figures it's gotta be Logan, who he defeated in the past, so not a big threat and he sends two assassins to track down Logan and whoever he's working with and kill them. The assassins are able to find Logan pretty quickly, and when they see him, they say they're not impressed by the appearance of the off-worlder. He's small and hairy, and they don't think he's going to be much of a challenge. 
One of the assassins, a woman, launches a set of daggers at Logan. He's able to stop some of them, but there's too many and a few others get through and wound him. While he's distracted, the assassins are able to entrap Logan in some sort of strange shadow ropes. This is one of the unexplained powers I mentioned. But just then, another woman arrives and helps Logan. She's able to attack one assassin, which gives him time to escape the shadow ropes and take down the other one. The female assassin is fatally wounded, but the other one, who is her boyfriend, grabs her and they disappear through a shadow. I guess they can use shadows as wormholes, which is a pretty cool ability. Then, the woman who came to Logan's aid reveals that she's Chang's contact, and she's a shapeshifter. But before he can learn any more, Logan passes out. Apparently, the daggers the assassin used were coated with fatal poison and knocked Logan out for a full day. When Logan does wake up, he's still in the forest with Chang and the shapeshifter, and the woman reveals that she is Dr. Carling's daughter, Rose, and she's out for vengeance against Kimura. Kimura has captured Dr. Carling, and they need to rescue him and finally deal with Kimura. Kimura, meanwhile, is in his fortress and in the middle of torturing Dr. Carling. And at this point, he's only torturing him out of revenge because the Oracle has already read Carling's mind and given Kimura the knowledge of how to create and use the interdimensional technology. Logan, Rose, and Chang travel to the fortress and see the army that Kimura has gathered to attack Earth. There are thousands of soldiers ready to fight for him. And so... They're trying to figure out how to get through the army to Kimura, so they decide to pose as mercenaries looking to join the army. But a random monk runs up to them and starts yelling and accusing them of being off-worlders. I don't know if he had powers similar to the Oracle that allowed him to figure that out, but Logan and the others try not to react, continue playing the part of mercenaries, just looking to work with Kimura, and they call the monk a liar before knocking him out. They announced to anyone that stood around to watch the incident that they're going to take the monk to Kimura to judge for his lies, and they head off through the camp. When they arrive at the gate of the fortress, guards stop them, but Chang now shows his unique abilities, and he's able to just, like, reach his hand into their head and put them to sleep. Very convenient. We don't know how he does it. And after that, they're able to get inside the fortress where more guards try to attack them, Logan sees Rose create a force field to protect herself from an attack and wonders where she and her father got all these powers they've been able to use, which neither he nor the reader gets to learn. But they defeat the guards who attacked them only for the boyfriend assassin who survived in the jungle to show up by traveling through the shadows again. He grabs Rose and drags her into a shadow portal, but Chang and Logan are able to follow through the shadow as well before it closes up. They arrive in Kimura's chamber where he is preparing to leave through the interdimensional gates for his invasion of Earth. He tells the assassin to kill Rose if Logan tries to follow, but Logan is able to leap and attack the assassin before he can hurt Rose, and then Logan falls into a blind rage while attacking the assassin, going on to kill more and more of Kimura's men. Um, His time in Jasmine Falls has not yet given him control over his animal instincts and rages. And after slaughtering his way through the soldiers, Logan goes to follow Kimura. Before Logan can get to him, Kimura stabs and kills Dr. Carling. This sets Logan off into another fury, and he attacks Kimura. 
But for some reason, Rose interrupts and tells Logan not to kill Kimura. She's very level-headed for someone who just saw her father murdered, and she's somehow worried about Logan's rage. She doesn't know him, so I'm confused as to why she would care if he's in a rage or not. Like, he's not her responsibility. But she does know that even if they kill Kimura, he will probably just come back to life like he did before. So thanks to Rose's intervention, Logan manages to bring himself out of his fury, and he comes up with a plan to get rid of Kimura. He's able to grab him and send him through the interdimensional gateway, but then he destroys the machine that keeps it open, and so this will close both sides of the gateway and trap Kimura between dimensions with no way to escape. And Earth is saved from the warlord, and Logan has made progress in controlling his animal nature. Logan returns to Jasmine Falls after defeating Kimura to continue his training with Bondu Saboru. When he reaches five years of training, Logan takes part in a ritual to prove that he's mastered his rage and animal instincts. The ritual involves Logan being surrounded by a group of men who all attack him. They don't have weapons and they're not really trying to hurt him. Um, Logan is meant to defend himself by dodging their attacks and not retaliating. Logan manages to maintain his composure during the ritual, but when he's almost done, there is an explosion on a nearby mountain. The unexpected sound startles Logan, and he releases his claws instinctually, injuring one of the men in the ritual. Logan feels terrible and tries to explain that it was just reflexes and he didn't mean to do it. And Saboru comes in and says mysteriously that the explosion must have come from a man named Muramasa, a madman who trains people into powerful weapons. But even though he realizes that Muramasa planned to interrupt Logan's ritual, Saboru tells Logan that he's failed the test and he's banished from Jasmine Falls. Which is kind of harsh. It seems like he could have let Logan try again when nobody causes an explosion to fuck with him. But then Logan would have lived happily ever after in Jasmine Falls, so we can't have that. Logan accepts Saboru's judgment, but he's still devastated at being banished, mainly because it means leaving Itsu behind, and to make it worse, she's currently pregnant with their child. Before leaving, he goes back to their house to say goodbye to her, and I'll bet you know by now what he finds when he gets there. Poor Itsu is lying on the floor in a pool of blood, because she has been murdered. Logan doesn't have any idea who killed Itsu or why, but he decides to go to Muramasa. He wants revenge and believes that training with Muramasa will give him a chance to do that. Logan won't find out the details behind Itsu's murder for decades, but she was murdered by the brainwashed Winter Soldier, who was under the orders of a man named Romulus. Romulus is obsessed, basically, in Logan and his abilities and bloodline as a potential weapon because that's what everyone sees in Logan. So he can't have Logan living peacefully in Jasmine Falls, so he takes Itsu out to stop that. Logan doesn't learn that or who Romulus is for a long time either. At this point, all he knows is that his pregnant wife is dead and he wants vengeance. In Wolverine Origins number 40, we see some of Logan's time with Muramasa. Logan is telling the story and says that Muramasa was both a mystic and a swordsmith, and he saw potential for creating a blade for Logan. Using his mystical powers, Muramasa focused and extracted Logan's rage 
forming it as a drop of what looks like just blood. Muramasa then set about making a blade for Logan with his blood infused into the metal, which will create a super powerful weapon. But the blade would take years to complete, and Muramasa has his men get rid of Logan. They just take him out into the woods, um, beat him up, and leave him there. Muramasa tells his men that Logan will find him when he and the sword are both ready. After Muramasa takes his blood and ditches him, Logan goes back to his mercenary life. In 1953, he gets sent on a mission to assassinate a man named Charles Simpson and abduct Simpson's son, Frank. Logan is working for the shadowy Romulus at this time, and his mission has major implications for his later life. Logan still doesn't know much about Romulus or who he is, or why Romulus is so invested in his life. But he goes to Ohio, carries out his mission, kills Charles Simpson, and abducts Frank, taking him back to a facility that is working on Project Homegrown, or Weapon 7. This project was started at the end of World War II when a doctor named Truett Hudson came across the laboratories of Mr. Sinister at Auschwitz. If you remember from the Magneto episodes, Mr. Sinister worked alongside the Nazis to conduct his genetic research, like a complete monster. Sinister is a fun villain to read about, but oh my god, he is so awful, so terrible. Anyway, Dr. Hudson was a civilian advisor to American forces who were at the Auschwitz camp after its liberation. Important historical note, the Soviets were the ones who actually liberated that camp. But in the comic, Hudson and the Americans are there, and Hudson gets sent by Nick Fury to look over what is left behind in the medical buildings. That's where he discovers the remnants of Mr. Sinister's experiments, as well as Sinister's journals. Hudson uses what he gathers to set up a government program called Weapon Plus, which is intended to create super soldiers. There are several iterations of the program over the decades, Weapons 1 to 11, Weapon 1 was actually the project that created Captain America and was included in the list of developments by Weapon Plus retroactively. Hudson was not involved in that one. The other phases of Weapon Plus were highly unethical and subjected animals and people to terrible experiments. Weapon 2, which marks the start of Hudson's work, experimented on animals and created a genetically modified squirrel with human intelligence, claws like Wolverine, and healing powers. I don't know what they were going for or how they ended up with that genetically modified squirrel, but that's what happened. Most of the projects involved genetic modification, but others used symbiotes, psychological experiments, or created sleeper agents, to name a few. Frank Simpson, the boy that Logan abducted, was transformed eventually into a cyborg named Nuke during the Weapon 7 program. He had mesh placed beneath his skin, he gained superhuman strength and durability, and a healing factor like Logan. But tragically, Simpson also developed schizophrenia with visual hallucinations, and his mind was basically destroyed from what he went through. And then, of course, Weapon X, the 10th iteration of the program, involved fusing adamantium to Logan's skeleton. But that will come later. It's hard to say what Logan knew when he kidnapped Frank Simpson, but whether or not he knew what would happen to the boy, the Weapon X program ensured that karma came around for his involvement. 
even if he didn't remember the action at the time, after several mind wipes. Logan would later learn that Romulus, his employer, had been involved in his Weapon X transformation, but this is Logan's first interaction with the program that would shape much of his later life. The last story I want to cover today is a short one from the digital comic Wolverine Agent of Atlas numbers 1 to 3. Wolverine is apparently working for the Atlas Foundation, a dangerous and powerful group involved in experimentation, sorcery, and weapons development and smuggling. Quite a diversified portfolio. It's not explained when or how Logan started working for this group, but they sent him to Cuba in 1958 toward the end of the Cuban Revolution. He's working with a partner named Hendrix, and the story starts as Hendrix has gone missing. Logan receives orders to get Hendrix and get out of Cuba. As he's searching for Hendrix, he runs into an odd group. There is FBI agent Jimmy Woo. You might recognize that name from some Marvel movies and shows. Ken Hale, or Gorilla Man, and an android called M11. Wu points a gun at Logan and tells him that they're going to ship him to the U.S. for an FBI interrogation, because what the hell is he doing in Cuba? Logan, of course, isn't going to go along with that and attacks them. In the middle of their fight, though, Logan grabs a knife and appears to slash it across Wu's throat, but Wu is unharmed and Logan only killed a giant bug that was crawling across his neck. But it was too late for Logan because the android M11 saw his attack and immediately electrocuted him. Wu and his friends realize that Logan actually helped him, but they're like, oops, too late, he's already dead. They send the bug to their comrades, Marvel Boy and Venus. They are not that important to the story, so I'm not going to get into the details of who they are. All we need to know is that they're two heroes flying above in a plane, assisting Wu and his team. Then Logan wakes up, healed from the attack by M11, and he reveals to Wu and the others that he's trying to track down the source of the bugs. He says that they've been showing up on important leaders in the Cuban Revolution. Logan, Wu, Gorilla Man, and M11 decide to team up and deal with the bug situation. Logan sees a flare off in the distance and realizes it must be his partner Hendrix, so they head out to find him. When they get there, they find Hendrix alone out in the jungle, and he greets them like everything is totally normal. Then he leads them further on, where there is a bus-sized bug like the one that Logan killed, and hundreds of little ones swarming around it. Hendrix casually tells them not to struggle, just let the little bugs attach to their skulls so they can, quote, feed your cortex. Logan and his new friends are like, um, no thank you, that doesn't sound like a good time, but the bugs start swarming and they have to fight them all off. Just then, Marvel Boy messages down from the plane to Jimmy Woo and tells him that the bugs inject a protein that allows someone to control a person's mind, and the process is irreversible. So Wu orders M11 to shoot a missile at all of the bugs, and he does, and it kills all of them. But Logan realizes that his partner Hendrix is already being mind-controlled, so he grabs him and breaks his neck. Wu freaks out at Logan's ruthlessness and says that they should have taken him alive. Logan responds that Hendrix knew too much to be left as a loose end, and if the process is irreversible, there was nothing else they could do. Wu then says that Logan still has to come back with them to the FBI, but obviously Logan's not going to cooperate with that order, 
and sets off a bomb to get away. Everyone survives, and I don't know how, because it looks like the explosion covers like a football field's worth of area, but everyone makes it out safely and Logan gets away. The last image in the comic shows Fidel Castro with a bug attached to the back of his neck, because obviously mind control is the only reason anyone could start a communist revolution, right? Have to explain that away. That is the last story for today. It's a bit of an oddball one-off, but I wanted to cover it to keep track of where Logan is. There's a lot more backstory to Jimmy Woo and why he's in Cuba, but they aren't mutants, so I don't want to get too off track. Next episode, I'll be back with a few more of Logan's stories as we work our way up to the formation of the X-Men. We are getting close to the team being founded, and I can't wait to get to it. But we have to catch up on a few mutant stories before then. And pretty soon, mutant stories will not be so closely tied to years or historical events. We're going to get to the point where we're in the sliding timescale of the Marvel Universe and makes the chronology even more complicated than it already has been. But all part of the fun, right? Anyway, thanks as always for listening. If you haven't, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just tell your friends about it. If you know anyone who's ever been interested in the X-Men or Marvel, send a recommendation their way. You can also check out my Instagram and Twitter at X-Men Unraveled for updates and pictures from the comics I cover. Talk to you next time. And remember, the karma doesn't forget, even if you do. 